It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. You know, 2020 was a crazy year, and 2021 is proving to be just as crazy, I think. Um, We are learning and continuing to learn the importance of taking responsibility for our wellness, you know, as, as a whole. I mean, whether we're well emotionally, whether we're well physically, whether we're well spiritually, or whether we're well intellectually, it's up to us, you know, to do our part to make that happen. And so I want you to always go to uh, www.synergyconnectionradio.com. And when you get there, there is a banner for Boomers Forever Young. Uh, Boomers Forever Young is a sponsor of the program. I have used their products for probably five years now. And it is a part of what keeps me very healthy. And so there's two products in particular that I think you need to look at. If you're not on vitamin D3, D as in dog three, you need to be using a minimum of 5,000 international units. I personally use 10. You want your immune function, which is a blood test that you can ask for. It's a D3 test, but you want it above 70 in order to fight off any virus or bacteria that's around you, I will tell you that mine is an 82. So I'm not very concerned. I do practice uh, safe distancing. Um, I'm not in crowds, you know, I I do what I need to do to stay healthy. But you need to look at that blood test and know what your immune function is. The other test is a C-reactive protein. And the C-reactive protein test is going to be your inflammation level. And you want that below a one, minus a 0.3. So all disease begins with inflammation someplace in your body. And so you need to understand what that number is. The uh, Boomer product that I use is a barley. It's a sprout, it's not a grain. And you can take that and it removes toxins from the body. It rebuilds muscles. And as you age, it's your muscles that hold you upright, guys. (laughs) So you don't want to be getting past the age, let's say, of 60 or 65, and your muscles are no longer strong uh, because you need them for walking, you need them for bending, you need them for so many different functions, you know, to get you throughout your day. And a lot of people begin to get weak muscles, and then that leads to falling, and that leads to, you know, hip fractures, leg fractures. And we don't heal as well as we age. So look at that um, number as well. C-reactive protein, look at that level of inflammation. Think about using um, the boomer's barley. It is a sprout that comes from Canada. They have a very special process and it does what it says it does. And a lot of people that are diabetics are actually bringing down their numbers um, by using this particular product. Okay, so I've done my little part of uh, recommending uh, health and wellness from a physical level, because if you're not healthy physically, the rest of it's going to be really hard to do. You can't get there without the foundation. And I think our physical is our foundation. So I have as a returning guest with me, Joni Klein-Higger. And Joni... Um, is an award-winning Floridian children's book author. She's a songwriter and she's a musical theater playwright, composer, and lyricist. So she kind of wears lots of different hats. I've had Joni on before um, and her songs have been recorded by various artists and they've been featured in motion pictures and her children's songs and musicals can be frequently heard uh, in the hallways, you know, of local schools. Uh, she's gone into the schools here in the Florida area where we live. And, um, you know, teachers um, have used her compositions to teach various things in the classroom and then again on the stage. So it is super fun to have Joni back with me. Hi, Joni. Hello, Lucy. So nice to see you again. How are you? I am doing just great. Um, 
today's show, we're going to be talking about something that I think is super important because I've written a book, you've written lots of things, but I wrote a book and I felt like it basically had to be written. And I started doing it, wow, like 30 years ago. And it just kind of morphed into getting into print back in 2013 as an ebook. And then in 2020, it came out as a soft cover uh, because I had so many people say they wanted to hold it. But in terms of getting inspiration, my inspiration came from being a psychotherapist in the schools, working with kids and families, you know, for a very long time, even uh, not so much in the beginning, because I had just started my practice back then. But over the years, I kept seeing that people became their thoughts. If they thought they were victims, then they were victims. If they thought they could achieve anything, they could achieve anything. But I kept seeing this over and over in my office is that people would come in and they would be reflecting their thinking. So that was my inspiration as I wanted to show, hey, you don't have to do that. You can do it a different way. But inspiration I know can come from any place. And so that's what the show is kind of about today is how do people find, you know, their inspiration to write a book, to write a, a short story, to write poems, to write songs? Where do they find that inspiration? Well, first, uh, before I answer that question, I would just like to address something that you said when you were doing your introduction. You said something that was very powerful. You said that how important it is to heal physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I think that's very important, not only as our, for our daily lives, but also as a part of the creative process. So I do think it all goes hand in hand. And I think it's very important that we address all of these different things. So thank you for saying that. And I do think we all have the power to enhance our lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. So thank uh -huh. you for that. Um, inspiration. So there are so many different places where inspiration can come from. And one of the main areas is how you found your inspiration, personal experience. Personal experience is a very important part of the process for several reasons. First of all, yes, it gives you ideas, but mm -hmm. also many times your personal experiences are also ways of healing yourself or things that you may need to address in your life or things that you may find very important to deal with. So like, for example, one of my musicals, is recycling. Why? Because I feel it's very important to heal the earth. I have a lot of songs about save the manatee. Um, my books, Rainbow of Friendship, deals with diversity. So these are things that I find very important in my personal life and in my personal interests. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also very important that you write about something that you believe in and that is important to you. Because when you write a book, it doesn't just happen. You have to work on a book. You have to, it takes time. It takes revisions. Many times books can take years to write. So right, you have to right, be passionate. Right. It's important you're passionate. And I believe it sounds like you're very passionate about your, uh, the, the, the subject matter that you wrote about. And that's a very important piece to the puzzle. So that's the first place is your personal experiences. Um, another place to find inspiration is look around you at people, places, things. Many, many writers get their ideas from someone in history that is a powerful part of their life, someone who inspired them. Now, mm -hmm. the person can be living, the person may not be living, but the point is, what is it about this person that drew you to this person? And again, it must be something that you have passion about. It's all about your passion about this subject. Mm -hmm. So how do we find these things? People, places, things. Sometimes it could be through a newspaper. You can look at a newspaper article and something just hits you. And especially if you want a current book, you may want to write about something that's happening now. This is the time that you, know, you need to dive into it. 
Many times if it's after the fact, sometimes after the fact, it can work out well. But many times the inspiration is now is when you can do your research in the newspaper articles now and you're passionate about it. So you plant the seeds now and then you work on the project because it takes like two years before a book can even come out. So um, let's go back to people. One of the things that I found is the people in my life who made a difference. I'm going to tell you a crazy story. One of the most influential people in my life was my grandma, my grandma Rose. Grandma Rose was a singer who she came from a line of cantors. She literally at in her 80s and 90s would stand up on a table and sing toot, toot, tootsie, goodbye. She was filled with life filled with love, filled with energy. To the day she died, she, she lived to 97. She was always singing and bringing joy every single place she went. So she was a huge influence in my life. And it was the Jewish holidays. It was Yom Kippur. And I went to synagogue and I dropped my parents off and I showed up a little bit late because I had to park the car. And on this one holiday, they light up some, there's a wall that lights up with people who are deceased so that you remember them on, on this particular holiday, actually it was on Yom Kippur. And they light up the whole world wall of people's names. And I showed up late, so I got the seat behind my parents and I look up at the wall and they have beautiful stained glass windows in synagogues, many of them. And the sun was shining on one name from the seat that I was sitting in. Normally I sit in the seat above me and it was shining on my grandma Rose's name. Oh my goodness. Me away. Hundreds of names on the wall. And yeah. the light was shining because of my seat was shining on her name. And I was like, oh my gosh. I went home and I'm like, okay, this is a sign. <laughs> I have to do something. This lady was so important in my life. I have to do something. Even though she's had an, a very interesting life and she was supposed to be in the theater, but her uncle pulled her out and said, no nice girl belongs in the theater. She was actually chosen as Molly Pecan's uh, understudy. I don't know if you know who she was. Molly Pecan was in Fiddler on the Roof. And my grandma was 16 and was chosen as her understudy. And her uncle pulled her out of the theater. So from that point forward, she did volunteer work with her amazing voice. She sounded like Sophie Tucker. But I figured who would be interested in my grandma's life? And then I was like, there's a reason this happened. Why did this happen? So I started thinking about my times with my grandmother. And I used to visit my grandma in Florida. I lived in New York. She had a dear friend who was an amazing pianist named Ann Beerson. And grandma, Ann and I used to sing songs together in harmony. Ann worked for Irving Berlin. Wow. And she, I don't know if she, I, I, I know she played the piano, she was amazing. I believe she played the piano for him. And I think she may have, I don't know exactly what she did. I remember as a kid seeing all these newspaper articles and stuff with her in Irving Berlin. Anyway, I'm like, okay, but who would be interested in Anne? And then it hit me, Irving Berlin, who was such an inspiration to my music career. He was amazing. He wrote God Bless America and Easter Parade and Always, which my father sang to me as a child. And, and I'm like, that's it. I have to write a book about Irving Berlin. So I did a ton of research. I wound up writing a musical about Irving Berlin that was performed for a gala at a synagogue. And, but so that inspiration, you see the, 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 the way that it followed, it started with someone who was a huge impact on my life. And I was trying to find the connection until I realized how can I honor my grandma and Ann Beerson? And it was by writing something about Irving Berlin who also was a huge influence in my life, who changed my life. My writing style, a lot of my songs have a lot of feeling of that, that, you know, that, that he was a, a song, but what is it? A tunesmith. And that's pretty much when I think of my musical style, I'm more of a tunesmith than a composer, you know? So he absolutely influenced me. So that's one story of where I got inspiration of that person. Okay. Now I need to ask a question because I can just hear somebody saying, well, what is a tunesmith? Uh, okay. Well, what I consider, what it's actually, I don't know how it's defined in the dictionary, but I could tell you my interpretation of a tunesmith, I am focused on melody. For me, it's all about melodies. You've heard me sing acapella, right? You know, uh -huh. like I could play the piano and I could sing with the piano and I love singing and playing with the piano. But for me, the melody 
It's not so much about all the chords, although it does add so much. It's that melody line that you hear. It's that, that, that it's the one that you follow. So like, God bless America. That's the melody, right? But if you add chords, that creates more of the whole composition. So I consider, I go for the melody. When I write songs, I don't do it for the chords. I write mm -hmm. it for the melody. So, and, and he has a lot to do with my melodies. I, I loved his music. I used to sing it with my grandma in harmony with Anne playing the piano when I was 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. So, so that's, that's what I, and he was, he is truly an, an incredible inspiration for so many songwriters, whether so, they realize it or not. <laughs> yeah. So, so you wrote the book about Irving Berlin. Yes. And did you weave the two women into the story, your grandmother? Okay. So I'll tell you, so this book right now is, I, I can't go into the details about it because it's right now, it's, it's not a book yet. It's a manuscript. Okay. Now, I, I'm not sure if, if your audience is familiar, I, you are, but I'm not sure about your audience if they're familiar between the difference, the manuscript and a book. A manuscript is the text of a book. Now with picture books, it has pictures. So my, my, it is not a book. It's not in a book form. It's a manuscript. So even with, so with picture books, there's the manuscript, the text, and then there are the illustrations, which is totally different, but they can, they have to work together in a picture book. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, so this, I have the manuscript done. It's not a completed book. Uh, I can't even tell you the name of it. I can't tell you what it's about, but I could tell you it's from a very unique perspective. There are pictures, books out there about Irving Berlin, but this is a very different perspective. And the one thing that makes it different is I'm a songwriter. So I wrote it from a songwriter's perspective, but I can't tell you whose perspective it's from. It's actually very interesting. But so that right now, my agent is uh, marketing. So I can't, mm. that's why I can't go into the details. About you know, it. I don't think they, about it. yeah, I don't think they have books on the market yet. But I would say in the future they will, because they certainly have audio books. Um, but I could see, um, you know, a book down the road where when you turn a certain page, you'd be able to, you know, push a button or something <laughs> and, and then have a little bit of a song come through that would yeah. give a book, you know, multiple layers, multiple dimensions. I think that would be so cool. Well, one of the things that's amazing that you can do now, thank you to the internet, is you can put down different sites. So like one of the things I'll tell you about Irving Berlin that was absolutely fascinating is he only played in one key. He was only able to play in one key. He could play the black notes. He could only play the black notes. He was only able to do that. That's how he wrote his song was with the black notes. Uh -huh. and I guess they were easier to play. So he had something that was called a transposing piano that you pull a lever and it changes the whole key to the song. So this way, anybody could sing his song. They didn't just have to sing in, sing in that one key. And he could write in different keys as long as he used, he would write in the same key, but if he switched a little lever on the piano, you could get any key you wanted, which is pretty amazing. So one of the things I did include in this book or this manuscript is that you could go on YouTube and listen to Irving Berlin and you could see him pulling the switch and changing the key. And I think I forgot which, he may have been like on the Dinah Shore show or something, but it's all out there on the internet where you can even hear different artists singing his songs. It's amazing. So there's so much available that you can put in, even if it's not an actual button of the song mm -hmm. that you people can actually hear. You could just put down, oh, go to this site. And you know what I mean? Right. Now he wrote My Christmas, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. In fact, he had a hard time with White Christmas because he was Jewish. And there, uh, he, um, which it, it was also very hard for him because he had a child who died, I believe, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Oh, Day. wow. Okay. So it was very hard for him. Um, so Christmas was a tough holiday for him. He married someone that was not Jewish, but, and so they celebrated Christmas, but it was very, very hard for him. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, he, he wrote White Christmas. He got some flack, I believe, for writing God Bless America, like how dare a Jewish person, there's some, some 
people did not think it was appropriate for a Jewish person to write God bless America. And he used to get terrible letters and, and it was terrible. He had a very hard time. You want to something interesting about God bless America? He did not make money on God bless America. He really? Donated, yes, he donated all of the proceeds to the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts of America. Well, I'll be darned. How interesting is that? Yeah, he was, he was amazing. He was an, just an amazing, amazing inspiration for me, so. <laughs> well, it'll be fun. Uh, you'll have to let us know maybe in, uh, you know, when we're back together in January of yeah. 2022, maybe you'll have the title of the book and about when it's going to be coming out. Oh, <laughs> is, is, is that like from, uh, from your mouth to God's ears kind of thing? Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. So, so let me keep going on about inspiration, though. So we discussed people, how different people can influence your life. There mm -hmm. are people who write about, you know, there are, I mean, look at all, there are jazz musicians. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, many people write about musicians, many people write about artists, about, you know, and if you don't actually want to make it a, or a, a, a bio, you know, or nonfiction, you can make a fictional, like my book, that Irving Berlin book, is non it's it's fiction but i based it on it's called historical fiction so it's based on historical events and that's another common thing is that you can use a historical event and turn that into fiction by using that as like the key center of your subject matter so you can have a whole storyline it could be about a person's life but also including it, it around an important event in history so that's another place um the other thing is places. Think about John Denver's songs, you know, my Rocky Mountain High, right? And there are so many books that the setting is so important. The setting could be the focus of your book, you know? So, or, or the time, that time period. Like, um, what was that? It was a beautiful movie, Somewhere in Time, and the book yes, Time yeah. Again. So they used Time and Again, I believe. Was that the one I think that used Jack the Ripper? Right, but Jack the Ripper, the key was, it was through the time in history. So they were able to totally expand on that beautiful time period in history with the subject matter of Jack the Ripper, right? But the real subject, you're going back in time and finding Jack the Ripper. So you're combining two different things. So um, another things, people write about their animals, people write about, but it can't just be, this is my dog, especially people think, oh, picture books, I'm gonna write a picture book about my dog. It can't, you can do that if you want to self-publish and you don't really care about it going further places. If you want a marketable picture book though, it, or any kind of book, and you want to write it about your pet, there has to be something that makes it unique. It can't just be about your pet and that your pet is loyal. I, you know, I, I critique for um, different organizations. Um, I critique other people's work. And I can't tell you how many books, picture books in particular, you know, that I critique, um, how many picture books were about, this is my dog, my dog is loyal. My dog, his tail wags, he wags his tail back and forth and back and forth. Who, I'm sorry to say this, but who cares? Why would a reader invest in that? We know dogs wag their tails. We know dogs are loyal. What makes something unique about your journey with your dog? So someone recently was just telling me that, um, that they, uh, their dog was in the news years and years ago because the dog ran away and was found a year later in, and, and, and there were, and, and uh, a year later in an area that was totally remote compared to where from where they lived. And this new story got all across the country. So that's a good spark for a story about this dog's life, you know, the journey. Where are the adventures? And, well, right. So, so the key is what would make your story stand out? So if you're going to write about a thing, you better make sure if you want it to be published on a you know, through traditional publishing, or if you want other people to read it other than your family, you know, and friends, you want to make sure that your story is unique. So if you're going to tell the story, and the same thing, I could have just done an information dump about Irving Berlin, but why would anybody buy it? You could just look it up on Google. You need a storyline that's going to carry it through, something specific in that person's journey, or that dog's journey, or something specific that happened in that place that you're going to, um, to explore. 
You mm-hmm. want it to be something that stands out, not just that, that, oh, well, the national forest is so pretty. It's green. It's, no, what happened in that forest? Why, what's, why is it unique? Okay. Right. So may I go on and, and more inspirational ideas? Would you like a little bit more? Sure. sure. <laughs> There's some more to go. Okay. Um, so the news is a great place to find stories. You'd be amazed just going through one newspaper, one newspaper, you could find dozens of ideas if you look for them. The key let, is- Let me ask you a quick question here, because when you're talking about news, um, just a you know, couple of days ago, we began to be aware of all of the Haitian people uh-huh. that are at the border in Texas. Yes. So it could be a fictional story, but you could take a family or take a child or take a mother and a father, you know, with no children, but you could make those your characters and write the story about, you know, how did they get to that border and what is it that they wanted, you know, which is freedom uh, and not to go back to a place where they're probably going to have to go back to where there is no freedom and there's a lot of corruption. And so that's what you're talking about is if you pick up the newspaper, you look at television and you go, ah, I could write a story about that. Yes, but I have to address something that is very important that you and your audience is aware of. So there's something that's been going on for the past several years that is very important to know. It's called Own Voices. And if you're not familiar with it and you are a writer, you should be. It's very important that you write true to your own voice and story. You cannot, I shouldn't say you cannot, you can, but if you want to get it traditionally published, you will get flack for it. If you write, for, you have to have personal experience with, this has to be some connection to this Haitian situation. So usually it would be someone from Haiti who's writing it, someone who's connected to Haiti. It's very important. You do not write in a voice that's not your own now. There are a lot of writers who are getting getting in trouble. It used to be very common that, you know, someone who was white would write the black experience. Someone who was black would write the white experience. And I'm just, or, or the Asian experience, or like, if you look at all of these things now, it's very important that people who are of that culture or that race or that situation have an authentic voice that they were there. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's a big problem right now. And it's not a problem. It was a problem. And now it's very much being addressed by agents and editors that it has to be an authentic voice if you're going to do that. But it doesn't mean that you can't write about that subject through your authentic voice. You just can't write another character's voice. Okay. So you could be the observer. You could be the observer though. You right. can be an observer, but you cannot be a character that's not in the story. Character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say you can't. Anyone can do whatever they want to do. But if mm-hmm. you want to get traditionally published, that's mm-hmm. a big no-no now. Mm-hmm. Big, big. So, so that's that's one area of, um, you know, with people, places, and things, and in the news. But there are other places that you can also find ideas, like movies. How many of us were inspired by movies or a song, you know? So not only do the songwriters and the authors get inspiration from someplace, but we can get inspiration from their work. And many times other people's works inspire our unique stories. And I'll give you an example. There is another book that uh, I should say manuscript. Again, this is also at, at an age, uh, my a, a agent is marketing it now and I can't go into too many of the details about it, but it was inspired. Now this is a picture book and it was inspired by, there was a movie called The Red Violin. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was an amazing story of the life of a violin that a man created for his wife who, and, and it starts with a soothsayer, you know, a, a, a psychic who is telling about the story. A woman goes to a psychic and, and, the, and tells the, 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 the psychic tells her about the life that she's going to lead, but it's actually the life of the violin. And so it, the violin is leading them. So it's actually the violins, right? There's a reason why I can't 
I don't want to spoil it for you because it's a beautiful story. It's a very cool movie. But that movie inspired me to write a children's book about it that took place during the Holocaust. And it's a children's Holocaust story. And mine has to do with an item that that traveled through time, that it was told through a perspective of one of the items from that time period that from that witnessed the Holocaust. So, so there's all different ways that you can use movies and songs. You know, I think there was um, a movie called The Piano. Yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, and that was a gorgeous movie and it took place during World War II as well, right? Yes, yes. Well, that's why the key is that you could take a subject that's already been written about, or you know, whether it be song, a book, a musical, there were things, even an art piece, by the way, you can base a song or a, a book on around a piece of art that you comes, you know, that could be your inspiration for it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but the key is how do you make it your own? How is it you different than anything else out there? I mentioned there are several Irving Berlin books out there now that are picture books but mine is a different perspective and it's totally different. So how do you make yours different? And how do you tie it into current events? So like my, the, the book that I wrote, I'm tying it into one of the songs that he wrote that's a big part of my story that it's gonna be the hundredth anniversary. And the crazy thing is I initially wrote that book to be the anniversary of God Bless America, the hundredth anniversary. And three people beat me to the punch at that point. So I couldn't even sell it at back then, but now I took a different perspective. So I'm using it different, but you know, I was devastated. I spent so much time on research on that book. Oh my gosh. And then three people came out right before me. So um, all the, uh, editors are like, sorry, we already have a book. We already have a book. And I was devastated, but now I'm coming back a few years later. I'm ready to get it out there again. And it won't come out for two years if it gets signed. So, so that's that. Oh, and one last thing of inspiration that I'd like to share with you is networking. So, and, and the reason I say this is, especially if you're already an author or already a songwriter, um, I had people who approached me because they knew that I was a writer. And one, uh, two, two books I actually wrote with a, um, a psychologist, Flora Zakin Greenberg. She came up to me, our children were, in preschool together. And we went through elementary school and you know a whole bunch of different schooling together. And she wanted, she found that there was a hole in the market for books about selective mutism. So I don't know if you're familiar, you might, you're familiar with selective mutism, I'm sure uh -huh. you know that field, but selective mutism is an anxiety disorder in children where they're afraid to speak. So, um, so she approached me and she said at that time, I was only writing, writing, uh, rhyming picture books. She said, you know, um, I think this area needs to be addressed. There's no book out that's, that a psychologist can use or that teachers can use for this particular subject matter. Would you write something? And I'm like, well, I only write rhyming stories. She said, no, please. So I did it. And I wrote a story in prose. Prose means it's not rhyming. Okay, so I was used to writing rhyming stories, my first book in prose, and it was called I Have a Voice. Fortunately, it came out, it was published by Guardian Angel Publishing. And that said, but sadly, they went out of business through COVID that my so I lost a lot of my books this, the past year was a heavy year, because my pub, one of my publishers went out of business. So five of uh, three books, and three musicals are now no longer available through Amazon, it's available on my web, they're available on my website, but they're no longer available through Amazon and bookstores, so it broke my heart. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going off target here. But um, so, so that was the inspiration for that book was Flora approached me. And then after that one came out, she said, you know, I really think we should work together on writing a sheet. So we wrote them together. She was the expert and I was the writer part mm -hmm, of it. Mm -hmm. And she did the same on a book about um, childhood obesity which she said, you know, we need books for boys about childhood obesity. So there was, a, I wrote a mid, my first middle grade novel, which actually won an award, which I was very excited about. Um, that's called Kobe Ryan Harris is Officially Fat. And it won a Children's Literature Classics Award. 
Um, and it's about a boy and his brother. She wanted it to be about boys. And I used my sons as my inspiration for my story with the banter and everything about a boy who is, deals with divorce and it deals with you know this kid whose parents uh, were divorced, divorced, he put on weight, he's going through all these middle-aged problems like liking girls and, and being picked on. And, and it's all about a journey of a boy and how his brother and together he gets healthy and fit and it, it teaches you and it's fun and it's, it's really sweet. And the boy grows up through this, but also there's a whole section with, with um, healthy eating, you know, different recipes at the end and, and talk and, and about, you know, the key is for kids not to diet, but to exercise more and eat healthy. You know, uh -huh. and it's really just like eating better foods for you instead of junk. And it's, and this is that journey. So that was from someone I knew. I had other people too. Teachers have approached me. I was in a classroom and a teacher, you know, with my whole writing career for music in class with working with teachers started with my kids in their classrooms. And at that time I was writing, when I first started, I was writing rock and roll and ballads and, you know, all that kind of stuff, country music. And when the teachers heard I, that I was a songwriter, they said, could you write me a children's song? And the next thing you know, I was writing subjects that were very important for schools, like piggyback paragraphs and recycling. I wrote a recycling musical for a school. And, you know, uh, I worked with teachers on, um, oh, uh, uh, about the sea and, and how we have to be so careful with the sea. And so again, networking, you never know who you're gonna meet who may say, hey, you want to write a book with me? You want to try something? You want to, you know, so I think networking is also a great way. Um, so that's that. One of the things that I'm also hearing you say, and, and yet it's not coming out as an actual statement, but that I certainly believe is that when you are kind of in alignment with your purpose, yes, you know, your purpose is writing and sharing messages that are important to you, but might also be important to others as well. And I kind of think that when we're in alignment with our particular purpose in life, that the universe as such, because of that alignment, opens doors and windows for us. And all we have to do is pay attention, you know, and as we pay attention to what somebody's saying, or what we're seeing, or what maybe an experience is, then the light bulb goes on. And, and is this kind of what you're kind of implying is that that um, ability to witness what's going on around you then allows you to have these opportunities? So that's interesting. I'm going to first tell you that it took me a lot of years before that light bulb went off for me. I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I loved to sing. I used to make up little ditties from the time I was a little kid. I never believed that I was a real songwriter. You know, I thought I was, you know, I'd write songs and I'd be like, but that's not the real world. I could never be a songwriter. I really mean this. I, it took a very long time for me to find my way. I, I wound up getting a job at Atlantic Records. Uh, I worked there <clears throat> when I, uh, after I graduated college. And I, because I figured, you know, and I'm, I could never make it as a songwriter, but I want to be around the music. I want to be around it. And I was, and I heard a lot of the stuff that came out on Atlantic records. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not a good song. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm really serious. I was like, I can't believe they signed that. And I was so afraid of my own. I think so many of us, we have skills that we're afraid that we're not good enough. Uh -huh. so many of us. Uh -huh. And I'm telling you, I went through years and years and years of not believing that I was worthy to have my stuff out there. I really, for years, and you're not gonna believe how it, when it clicked. You ready for this? Okay. So I was writing at this point already, teachers asked me to write, so I wrote. I figured, you know, I, I didn't believe that I was a great writer or anything like that, but I was able to help teachers, so I did it. And I was able to, you know, make up stories. I wasn't a published author at that point. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And that, that's another story in itself, which I could tell you how that came about after. But what happened was I went for years and years of not knowing who I was and feeling, I, I knew I wanted to raise my children. I was so blessed to be able to raise my children and work with their schools and all that. But I had no clue what I was supposed to be doing. And then I was selling Mary Kay. 
And I went to a networking night for Mary Kay thinking, well, maybe someone can help me get my music out there. I didn't know what was going on. So I went to this event and somebody, I don't even remember who he was. I was probably, I'm 59 now. And I was probably like 40 at that point. And what happened was that he did an exercise with us and he was really doing an exercise to make everybody in that group say, I'm gonna help you raise money for the arts, right? I thought I, I was going under the, that they were going to help me with finding my place in the arts, but they wanted me to be a fundraiser for the arts, which I do believe very strongly. And I think it's so important, but that's not why I went to the meeting because I was the struggling artist, you know? So, <laughs> so, um, so what happened was he did an exercise where we closed our eyes and he had us go through this wonderful meditation. It was wonderful. And then at the end of it, he said, so what are you going to do? What do you want to do? And everybody in that group, was like, I'm gonna raise money for the arts. And it was like, ding, ding, ding. Oh my gosh, my job is to be working with children. I'm supposed to be using music. And, and then all of a sudden the books came in, like the pieces all just came together. I belong working with children and not just working with children, but bringing joy to children and their families. Like that's my job. I am here to bring joy into this world. Like I feel like that's what I, I'm supposed to do. You know, it's funny, my grandma Rose said that to me when I was a kid, you need to bring people a smile wherever you go, you have the ability to bring joy wherever you go. And it's not just me, it's every single person who's listening, every single person out there, we have the ability to bring joy. The key is how do you use your gifts? What and everyone has gifts We're all some people may not be writers, it doesn't matter. Everybody has the gift. There's something that you could do that is better, not even, I hate to use the word better, doesn't make a difference if you're better or worse. There's something that you have that you could bring into this world and bring joy into this world. And I feel that's my responsibility. I feel like it should be all of our responsibility. It'd be such a better world if we could all bring our joy into the world instead of zooming in. Something terrible happened to me. I was hacked. I was hacked um, on the internet. On, on my social media, if they didn't break into my account, but they, someone did something and it really sucked and it just threw me off and it made me so sad and I cried and this recently happened and I cried and I'm like, so was I crying because it was inconvenient? Yes, I had to change everything and it was a pain in the ass. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but still it was a pain and it was very stressful, but I cried because it made me sad because if these people took the gifts that they have to break into someone's social media. Imagine if they turned it to good. Just imagine if we all used our gifts to bring good in the world. Mm. It, we, it, across the board, it would be such right. a brighter, wonderful world. Right. So that's when it clicked for me was with that, with thinking that, you know, he wanted me to raise money for the arts, which I still feel so, I, I do that. I think it's so important to contribute to the arts. You and I had this discussion in our last um, our last conversation, but um, I, I just, that's when it clicked. And you're right. Once it clicks, then everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. All of your fears, it's easy to put away the fears of failing because you know what? You're doing it for a greater cause. You're right. doing it for something that's not about your ego and not about your fear and not about thinking of people going to like me. You know, it's about you have a purpose and it's not easy to find your purpose, guys. It's not easy, but you know what? Do good and do what you know you're good at and enjoy the ride. And that's when the pieces come together. Like keep doing this stuff. If you know you're good at something, even if you know you have to make a living, you got to make a living, but there's no reason why you can't take five minutes of your day or 10 minutes of your day do something you love, do something that brings you joy that can also bring joy to other people. Inadvertently, that's what winds up happening when you do what you love. It winds up reaching out beyond that. You know, I'm going to uh, share something personal. And when you were talking about joy, because this has happened uh, at least three times in the last year where total strangers have come up to um, this person that um i see and um they have come up to us in different situations one was uh, lido beach uh, i was collecting uh, seashells and he was standing um back further from the water and this woman approached him and said 
watching the two of you brings me such joy. Those were her words. And uh, more recently, we had a person that was in a golf cart and she had taken a picture of us at sunset from behind just our silhouette. And she actually uh, came up to us later, a few minutes later after that and said, I uh, hope you don't mind, you know, do I have your permission to put the picture in the community newsletter? And, you know, we said, sure, because you really can't tell who we are. And then she stood there for a second and she said, you know, I would love to have your love. And so I think sometimes it is that energy that comes off of us that attracts people to us as well. So you can be doing absolutely nothing you know, uh, in terms of your purpose, uh, we have planted flowers in this particular area that we know gives joy to others. We put a little library there and we make sure that there's books in the little library. And we know- I loved your library. I saw it. It was awesome. (laughs) I loved Um, it. But that particular location energetically um, is wonderful. And, and yet it's other places that people will see us that, like I said, will just totally come up and say, you, you exude happiness or you give me joy or I want your love or they'll make those kinds of remarks. So, again, if you're in alignment with who you are and what your purpose is in life, whether it's writing, uh, music, books, uh, serving the best food in the world, uh, you know, whatever it might be, I think people feel that and it makes their world a happier place for them too. So that is part of a, a, a purpose is just being who you are and being connected to that energy. Yes. Well said. Hmm. So, so fascinating how all of this actually works. Um, so what else would you like to maybe share in the few minutes that we have left that has to do with, you know, like, I know, I, I think everyone has a much clearer understanding of where our inspiration can come from um, and being aware and being observant and maybe getting into that alignment on some sort of um, energetic level so that the doors and windows do open for you and all of a sudden it becomes easier. Uh, anybody who knows about Abraham and Esther Hicks, uh, you know, that was all about... Um, understanding that, you know, the law of attraction, that we create our circumstances in our life with the thoughts that we have. So if we are, you know, approaching life as a victim, which a great many people do, that life happens to them, that they don't make life happen, then, you know, it's more of a struggle, obviously. It's hard to find those moments of pure joy and happiness. But when we begin to manifest our lives through making better choices and through understanding how much control we have over what happens to us. Then we move to that next level of, oh, wow, this is fun. I I can actually play here. And um, I remember one of my early guests, uh, her name is Tess Dalka, uh, D-A-L-K-A, but she communicates with angels. And she said, the angels have told her that all we are supposed to do in this lifetime is learn how to play, just play with life, enjoy it, (laughs) Uh, you know, stop making it so much work, right, play with life. Well, I'd like to say something that addresses that, so I feel it's very, very important to live, you have to live, to be a writer, to find inspiration, you need to live. You have to have things to base your experiences on. <laughs> exactly. So I, I want to tell you how you even got my writing career. I don't think we discussed that. Um, my writing career, or I shouldn't say my writing, songwriting, you know about my songwriting career from last time. But, but my author career, I had no intentions of being an author. None. No intention whatsoever. Um, I was not a great student. I was not, uh, I, I didn't think of myself as a writer. I used to make up ditties. But I never really thought of myself as an author and I never wanted to be one. I, I didn't think I was it was possible. But my daughter became a Girl Scout when we moved to Florida. And I became the Girl Scout leader after a couple of years, my friend Diane and I took over the troop. And the girls were writing, one of the things they wanted to do was earn a badge 
for literature. So Diane and I, we supplied blank books and each girl got to write a book. Now, I had no clue how to write a book, but there, was, there were two extra books left over. There were 10 Girl Scouts. Two books were left over because you have to order it in a set of 12, those blank books. That was the minimum. And I wrote my first book. I didn't think it was going to be anything, but I just figured out oh, I'll have fun with it. Well, it turns out it was Rainbow of Friendship. It turned into Rainbow of Friendship, but it was a long journey. But what happened was I needed inspiration for my little blank book. And I looked around at my girl sketch group. There were only 10 girls, but they were so different and unique from one another. They were different religions. They were different. They had different interests. They were from different parts of, of the country, different accents. And they would, although they found common ground and they were beautiful inside and out. And it was so just wonderful. And I was so honored that my daughter even allowed me to be her troop leader. <laughs> she was young and I wound up doing it for seven years. I stumbled into it and I wound up doing troop leading for seven years. But my inspiration for Rainbow of Friendship were, was the Girl Scout troop. And I'd like to share it with you. Um, I never would have had this experience if I didn't take over a Girl Scout troop. And I didn't want to be a Girl Scout leader either, but the troop leader left and the, and the troop was going to dissipate. So that's how I became a troop leader. So each event, you know, you live, you take it. If you're given an opportunity, take it. You never know where each opportunity is going to take you. You never that's know. That's true. Yeah. Right? So, but I would like to share with you Rainbow of Friendship. I know we're almost out of time and I want to make sure you hear this because this pretty much goes also with it, how, how I said with bringing joy. Well, it's also more than just bringing joy to the world, but it's bringing people together and that we, we are so much more alike than different. And if we could just put those differences aside and find the commonality, I think part of it is everybody is so split and polarized. We have the ability to come together. So this is about a red girl who lives in a red town with red friends and so forth. This is all she knows is a red town and she moves to Rainbow City. So I'm gonna share this story with you. When I was a girl and had just turned nine, I was given a gift that would always be mine. A rainbow of friendship I'll never forget. A rainbow of friendship I'll never regret. I lived in a town that was only red with Red Annie, Red Tommy, Red Jane and Red Fred. Red Susie, Red Robin, and Red Billy too. This town was as red as the sock in my shoe. One day, my dad said it's time to explore, so we hopped in our Jeep off to find something more. The red trees were lovely, the red mountains pretty, and soon we arrived at Rainbow Rose City. We found a red house on a cobbled red street. That's where, lo and behold, I happened to meet a funny blue girl with blue hair and ribbons. Hi, I'm Blue Betty, Betty Begibbons. She lived around the block on Blueberry Lane. Since that moment, my life had not been the same. I had not met a girl whose bows were not red or a boy with no cap of red on his head. No, this place was strange. And soon I did see my red corner was filled with kids different than me. And it continues on. I'm not gonna read the whole book, but it continues on about how they become friends and create a strength in friendship and it's called rainbow of friendship and it ends with um my rainbow of friendship is perfect you see uh for each color i can't remember the whole but uh, for each color it's basically that each color has added its own special hue to color my life in whatever i do mm -hmm. so that every each one of us has special gifts now this book was by the way this book won um a Creative Child Magazine Book Award a year. It was the Book of the Year Award, uh, which was very exciting for me. And it also um, was recommended by, um, it was written up for, uh, for special, um, special needs in a special needs book review. It was uh, recommended by a special needs book review, which, uh, which uh, I, I know that um, they, it, which addresses autism and many other things, you know, and, uh, I, I just, I feel like I'm so sad because that's one of the books that's no longer available through Amazon. It is on Amazon, but not through my publisher. So it's no longer the publisher's out. But I do have things on my website. I still have a lot of all my books. If anyone is interested, you please come to joniworld.com, www.joniworld.com, J-O-N-I-W-O-R-L-D. 
Amazon.com. And uh, I do have books that are still available. But again, that book, I, I still do readings on that book. I go to schools. And that is a book that I use to discuss diversity in schools. Right. It's, it's, it's very, and, and ranging from preschools to, I've actually spoken at USF and St. Pete College to teachers. And it's really, I think it's something that we need to all be accepting of each other. We're all in this together. So, you know, that is so true. And I, I was just thinking um, this week, uh, the United Nations, of course, is meeting as we're recording this. And wouldn't it be nice if that was a required reading before they all went to sit down? Because sure. even though it's coming from a child's perspective, each one of them represents a country that has unique needs. And as a world, one of the issues they're addressing is you know the the global crisis of our environment changing and we have to be able to work together so you know it's not a matter of um you know like i'll do it but you won't somehow some way we have all got to be able to sit down at a table and come up with a collaborative effort that allows yeah. us to change the world and, Amen. <laughs> yeah. and so maybe maybe it'll start from a child's perspective. I mean, you know, we have children out there that are, are raising the, the flag and telling us we have to do things differently. And yeah. it should have started 25, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and maybe we wouldn't be, you know, facing some of the challenges uh, with floods and fires and things that we're facing today if people had just stopped and said, you know what, we can't continue down the same road. We have to do it differently. So I would love to think that uh, your book would have made a difference as they all walk in and take their seats. <laughs> Thank you. May I may I end with uh, with the song Friendship? Is that okay sure. if, if we sure. if I sing that song? Absolutely. Okay. So this is a song that I wrote when I do my book readings of Rainbow of Friendship, and even in some of my other book readings. Um, this is a song that I wrote for one of the schools for a play or show, whatever it was. And uh, it's called Friendship. And it goes like this. We may have different faces. We're different religions and different races. But there is something special we share. A beautiful connection is there. Yes, we're friends singing together, pledging our hearts to make the world better. Friendship, we're talking about friendship. So lucky are we, working together we can change tomorrow. Erasing poverty, pain and sorrow will make this earth a safe place to be. Yes, we can do it all, you and me. Cars, we're friends, singing together, pledging our hearts to make the world better. Friendship, we're talking about friendship. So lucky are we, so lucky are we, so lucky are we. That was a beautiful way to end the show. Thank you. It was so nice to see you again. It was so good to see you again, Lucy. My pleasure. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed the show and I'm sure everybody else will too. Tell them again how they can find your books, especially the ones sure. that maybe aren't as available as they once were. Sure, sure. Well, the best place to reach me is joniworld.com. So it's again, it's www.joniworld.com. J-O-N-I-W-O-R-L-D, joniworld.com. Right. So, yes, and then, and, uh, and you could, on there, you could contact me through my website. Um, and, you know, I do book readings. I do, I have a multitude of other books that I work on. I also specialize in um, the Jewish market. Uh, my book, Barnyard, Bubby's Hanukkah, I have a whole bunch of readings coming up. In fact, I'm so nervous because this is going to be my first time doing live readings again, starting in October. So it's a big deal for me to get back out there in the world and work with children again. I'm so excited. So. Mm. Well, hopefully COVID is not going to be with us forever. 
and yes. uh, life will get back to uh, a little more of a semblance of normalcy. Yes, yes. So. And we just have to be safe, be careful, but, you know, don't forget to live. It's yeah. important yeah. to still keep living, but but take precautions, be careful. You know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the shots, but everyone I know has different views. Uh, but I feel like whatever we do, we have to protect each other. So in yes. one way or another, please protect each other and, and be good to each other. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right, dear. Well, we will um, see you back on the show in early January. And uh, in the meantime, uh, everybody go out there and make this your best life. Please uh, check out www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. Uh, all the shows are archived there. And then you can go to any of the platforms, um, Spotify and uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcast as well as um, Google. So the major platforms carry the shows, share them with your family and friends. Uh, people like Joni need to be heard. So enjoy. Thanks, Joni, for coming on again. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Be well. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Make it your best life. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.